Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. I'd like to introduce our newest sponsor, Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. One of the best ways to build power in the pool is by using a tower. I got introduced to Chuck Destro. Because of the way Chuck designed them, they can break down and ship in a much smaller box so they can ship anywhere in the world for a reasonable price. Use code BRETT at checkout and save $150 on a double swim tower. That means if you order two, you can save $300. Order four, save $600. Go to destromachines.com to get your team stronger in the water today. Looking to host your first swim meet or replacing an old timing system? Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop using superior swim timing. You can use superior swim timing with your existing equipment, or they can provide you with a complete timing solution, including deck harnesses, buttons, and starter. SST is fully compatible with HiTech and Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. Go to superiorswimtiming.com to learn more and be sure to tell them I sent you. Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for, event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Welcome to Swimming's Best Talk Show. Gonna learn all the things that Brett Hawk knows. As he has a chat with his guests about what it takes to be the best. But the sport's about more than just best times. It's winning the battle against your mind. So listen in and let's take a dive with Brett Hawk as we go inside. And action. What's up, big man? How you doing? I'm great. Great. Good to see you guys and uh, appreciate you having me on. It's a lot of, lot of things going on in the swimming world. So appreciate you guys. I love your new format of going down topic by topic and sort of seeing what's coming. I feel like it's, uh, what's that one on ESPN where they sort of mm. knock out each topic? That's kind of fun. Yeah. Pardon the interruption. Yeah, that's or, it. Around the horn, maybe. Either one, you know. Just so they don't get gonged on it. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what you're hoping doesn't happen. Yeah, that's right. Although I probably deserve to be gonged a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, how was your Olympic experience? Just quickly. Uh, the short version was probably like most people. It was the strangest Olympics ever in terms of uh, not having an, uh, the roar of an audience. You know, the athletes created a lot of energy, especially the Germans that brought drums and trumpets and the Russians that had drums with them. You know, the, the, the sort of Westerners aren't used to uh, that kind of meet European championships and Brett, Brett, you've been there before mm. 
those European championships are like a party. I mean, they bring in all kinds of noisemakers and everything else. Well, you know, they're all used to that. So we're, we were in a situation where, uh, the U.S. guys had some things they were we were beating against uh, each other, and and uh, people were trying to generate as much noise and energy as they could. I think in their in their team environment, so there was some energy, but nothing like having the roar of a crowd and the feeling of a of a of a, a giant roar. Uh, they and I feel really terrible for the Japanese. They put on an amazing event. They could not have been mm. more hospitable. You could see the events and the facilities were such first class. And then uh, finally, the village was a uh, different type of experience because uh, with the, you know, plastic shield guards between mm. every single person at the dining table, that usually becomes sort of the Star Wars bar atmosphere where all these different creatures are coming in. And everybody, <laughs> you know, you have the gymnasts that are like four mm. feet tall and the basketball players that are seven feet tall. And I'm talking about the women's team basketball players. Yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're, they're going through the dining hall and all the different languages it's uh by the end of the day it's an amazing setting it don't you know the olympics always uh, brett like you released yesterday it's it's such a pressure cooker that's unique to any other event in the world given yeah. that it's every four years a chance to show not like you can make you know the the same event next year and uh and i would say also the 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 being able to sort of share with other sports people. I remember the first night I was in the village, the, the Fiji uh, rugby team was all, all walking around the inside the, the dining mm. hall with their medals around their necks. And it was so yeah. cool. You could see how proud they were of it. And, and uh, it, was, it was fun to share those kind of moments that are pretty typically Olympic. Uh, there are some of those moments, but not near what normally uh, goes on at the Olympic Games. But, you know, it's the first time uh, Israel has ever flown their flag outside of the dorms. So the mm. safety and security was top-notch, of course, in Japan. And, and so there were some things that were just beautiful about the mixing of the countries. And once again, you know, the community showing the world we actually can get along, uh, uh, you know, is, uh, is I think one of the greatest examples of what the Olympics can be, just the ultimate peacetime event. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, it didn't take away from the level of competition. I mean, the the swimming itself, just from what we were looking at, we didn't see the behind the scenes, but man, the competition was great. Yeah. Real good first class swimming and congratulations to the Israeli team, you know, which you were leading. Um, talk to us about some of the highlights you guys had in the pool. Yeah, I think just the main thing was that they were doing a lot of lifetime best times, and that's right. a really hard thing to do at the Olympic Games. The level of the athletes on the Israel team are, are probably at the point where uh, making a semifinal, maybe sneaking into a final is a, is a very high achievement. I will say in, in open water, Matan was fourth place, which nobody would have projected mm. that he would be in that, that group of, the, of the, the highest breakaway group. As he's, you know, I think his best mile time is, is only about a 15 20 or 15 15 so he's not even in the category of the other guys that in terms of speed but he raised his level and so it's fun to watch that from afar but internally the the number of lifetime best times the number of uh of efforts to like the the, the relay the men's 800 free relay breaking the national record by three or four seconds and mm. the medley relay breaking the record and getting into finals and the mixed medley uh was quite an event and and uh, you know hats off to a combination of uh, U.S.-based college uh, swimmers from Israel 
and uh, some that had trained at Wingate, uh, you know, trained with Luca Cabrero, and who's the, the iron coach this year in the ISL, a couple of them, and, uh, and some trained with their club team. So it was a variety of places. It wasn't like this one big training center that trained everybody, yet they all came together, built a real nice community there at the Olympics. And, uh, and for, you know, for me, it's, it was fun to sort of watch after being the U.S. coach uh, four year, or five years ago and then watching a smaller country and then being able to observe the other countries during the Olympics. I think I actually learned more in this role as far as my, you know, sort of coaching observations than, uh, than I did when I was a U.S. coach when I'm just so busy and so on point trying to get every last swim to be as good as it can be with the USA. So it's, it, was, it gave me yeah. a chance to sort of take in the bigger picture uh, and learn a little bit more as a coach, take some more videos of, of different athletes, uh, uh, you know, and, and some of the new names and things like that. So it was a, it was a great opportunity. Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, listen, uh, this is a new format for us. We get on here and we talk about topics that are current and pertinent to the swimming world. You're about to head off uh, leading up the LA current again. When, when do you actually get on a plane to, to go off the ISL? Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Kristen and I leave Tuesday. Okay, great. Well, we got the we got the topics here, so let's just get into this. Sonny actually is in a meeting right now with uh, Energy Standard, so he couldn't be on the show at this point in time. He's actually in a meeting talking to them as we speak. So let's get going. All right. First up, the new Australian Swimming League has been postponed already before it started. Dang. <laughs> um. Well, look, honestly, they're just they're, they're struggling in a way that is different to the way that we're struggling in America. We're, we're struggling, you know, trying to keep people from, from dying um, from this mess, uh, whereas the, Australia, the Australians have taken an approach of kind of locking down the country and, uh, and taking a different approach with it. You know, my parents have been locked up in Sydney, my, my, my sister, and they've been locked up for a couple of months not being able to leave the house. So it's, it's a whole different approach with how they're, they're doing it. But just on the Australian Swim League, you know, we talked to um, Rohan, Rowan, uh, Rowan the other day, and, and I asked him about this. And my impression of this was it was going to be a direct competitor with the ISL, but it sounded more like it was going to be a feeder system for the ISL. So it was like, let's have some domestic competition, which will then lead into the ISL season. So it actually didn't seem that it was going to take away from the ISL at all. It was going to be more as a supportive base for the athletes. Um, but here we are, it's, it's being postponed this year and it won't even happen until kind of the, the middle to towards the end of next year. So right now, I think the idea of it was great, but it looks like it's just been put on hold. Yeah, I actually think it's better that it's uh, put on hold right now. I'm not sure they were ready to do all the things you need to do to do it right. And I think one of the things that uh, is different is that uh, from what I understand from talking to the Aussies over at the Olympics was that th this was brought to them by professionals that put on similar events in cricket and uh, mm. basketball and things like this. So it was you know, being presented by these people who have done this type thing before. And then uh, swimming, it was, was the show, you know, was, the format's already there. And so if they can't do it right, I don't think there's a need for a big rush. I know the biggest thing, according to at least the coaches, that's needed in Australia is meaningful competition, they call it, which, you know, pressure competition where you don't know if you're going to finish third or 12th. And, uh, in, in, yeah. in, in the smaller countries, a lot of times, you know, heck and cruise the prelims. I have, there's really no pressure even in the finals. I can swim a alternative strategy and still uh, get the outcome. So I'm sure they'll still look for to create the meaningful competitions. Uh, 
and I think the format they were coming up with uh, w was exciting. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I, I agree with you. I thought they were going to be in competition with the ISL, but the more you talk to the coaches, and it's also nice because they were the the league went to the coaches as the key people that would lead the different teams. There's already a built-in uh, sort of infrastructure with the coaches that have the big clubs. I talked to Mooney for a while, and I know he was excited about having one of the. Uh, one of the teams, but uh, uh, but I think that's going to be a successful league when they get it going. It seems like in Australia, with the excitement there is around swimming, not just right now, but historically, uh, it should be able to stand up on its own. I mean, if cricket can stand up on its own, certainly swimming can. You know, yeah. it's it's like in the U.S. watching cornhole and watching darts. I'm like, come <laughs> on, come on, we got to be able to do this. How dare you insult cricket like that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it is. <laughs> it's baseball, basically. Yeah. <laughs> One of the interesting things that Rohan had said on the on the podcast was um I guess like back in the day Gennady Toretsky always has has always said like hey you got your youngsters don't get up and swim enough they don't compete enough they don't race enough and that was in the back of his head when this came to his uh desk um and he's kind of excited to get the age group swimmers in the mix uh the young kids in the mix to to get up and swim and I thought that was pretty neat too. That's an interesting – this topic has kind of come up here uh, for us, David, in some of our chats, uh, our coaching chats. Is this is this something that the U.S. could, should put together for their own professional athletes? Uh, yeah, but I actually think it would be better coming from something like Australia where an outside organization comes in and offers the structure that, that, that people that already run some of the perhaps lacrosse leagues or uh, so, some of the, uh, the new rugby leagues that are out mm. there right now that are forming – I'd love to see some of those organizations get involved in creating such a thing because I do think that the number of athletes that post-college would keep swimming if, they, if there was some alternatives to do that. And the ISL is one of them, but uh, even the number of men, I mean, we'll get to the, the ISL league stuff, but in context to the, the number of people, I mean, there were the European champion in the 50 freestyle was not selected during the draft or even during the supplemental draft. Mm. And so there were, at, I mean, the later on they were, there was some picked up on, on sort of last minutes, but there's a lot of men in particular that still are professional level that aren't getting picked up. Uh, I do, th I think we'd have a harder time with an audience in the USA because the competition for eyeballs is really hard. But, you know, if we worked hard at, you know, I was just on an ask a board call. And I think if we worked through whatever organizations would be willing to help it be successful, uh, I think it could be uh, something that's very successful. And even if we just got the uh, aquatic audience in there, I, I, do, I do think there's probably an appetite for it. And, and uh, hopefully we'll get to that. All right, cool. Well, let's move on to the next topic here, Nate. ISL season three. Boom. There it is. Tuesday. Um, yeah, I guess we're about to start. But the big news is that the playoffs are in the Netherlands. In the finals, we don't know yet unless you know uh, in January. So it's a little bit of a, you know, you're swimming for a month, you're kind of off for a month, you're swimming for a month, you're off for a month. It's a little different from the, the last go round. Does, does it matter to you, David, that you don't know where the finals are? It's a, is it a big deal or doesn't, you know, wherever it is, it is? I think most teams are just trying to figure out how they're going to get in the finals. That's four teams and, uh, uh, definitely the teams of the depth has changed. The dynamics have changed. You know, we, we all sort of think Aqua was the biggest beneficiary to the draft, given they were sort of given a couple of good freebies. 
Uh, and so uh, I think that's that the balance has changed a little bit. And so getting to the, the to the final four is is probably the, the, the thing everybody's thinking about. Uh, we understand that Constantine needs to put it where it makes the most sense for their business. Uh, this is a business venture. This isn't, you know, the, it's entertainment business, but, uh, and, and given that uh, he's, you know, sort of made a lot of last minute decisions and he and his staff, uh, I think we've come, become used to that. And, and we're choosing to be in the league and uh, the league is paying like nothing ever has before in the sport of swimming. Uh, in, as far as the, the coaching, the experience of it is, is an educational uh, clinic every day at these places and the practices and the competitions is so much, so many amazing athletes and doing so many different v variety of events. You test their medal by multiple events. And so it's a lot of opportunity for, to grow in so many different ways. And, and so I, I don't think anybody's stressing too much about where, where the last finals are going to be. And that will be the shortest by far of the competitions. And, and I think everybody's looking forward to uh, a little break in sort of late December and January uh, if they didn't take a break right now going into the ISL. And that's going to be part of the story of this ISL is who's, you know, who's uh, having Mai Tais and, and uh, 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 you know, Twinkies and Ho-Hos right now and who's, <laughs> who's been training. So and I know in the, on, the, on the LA Current, the communications I've had with the athletes, there's a variety. I mean, some, some have been on, in essence, vacation and some have been training hard coming down from, you know, talked to Hector from Mexico and he said he's coming down from an altitude training camp, been training very hard. He feels in, like he's in great shape. So we'll have a variety of people, and then co as coaches, we're going to have to figure out how to put them in the lineup based to some degree on that. Is there anyone you could tell us, give us an exclusive? Is there anyone who may not be showing up for the first few rounds of uh, the LA Current? Uh, yeah, the the right now uh, Bronte Campbell with the, all the restrictions in right. In, yeah, the Aussies. Uh, Australia, she, she's not going to be come. You know, wouldn't come until the semifinals, and we have to make the semifinals. Honestly, the the last meet will be the the lowest four ranking teams, and the bottom two will get eliminated. Uh, that those four teams have to stay in uh, Naples for an extra, I believe, eight days. And uh, I, I don't know if it's proper to call it this, but I'm I, honestly I've privately amongst my staff i've been called the biggest loser meet and uh and hopefully we're not in, the, in that competition but if we are we'll uh, certainly stay around the extra eight days and uh drink some more uh amazing espresso and and compete a little bit further into the competition but i think uh to some degree there's there's athletes even right now that you're sort of hearing last minute adjustments to and and part of the strategy i guess at this point is to probably not show your hand too much of who is missing or what kind of fitness they're in i'm not sure if people are spying on people through social media to see who's uh you know who, who are posting only with a drink and who are who are posting uh from a pool in the middle of workout and showing you know what they're doing in training well listen in fairness to the athletes is it too soon to to be going into a competition like this i mean should should we have given them a little bit more time or is it is it okay just to turn up the way you turn up I think we need to capture the energy from the Olympics and put it to work. I mean, there, there's, you know, I think we have a window of time where hopefully we picked up some global audience of the sport of swimming with the number of variety of athletes from around the world that were successful at the Olympics. I think there's a, uh, there, there might have been stirred up an appetite in some countries that haven't had 
the appetite before. Uh, so I think strategically from a business perspective, I think it's probably wise that as many of the big names as we can get to put them out there to race again. And it's short course meters. So they're going to come off a year of hard training for long course. I think most of them are going to be fine. Some of them probably some faster because they've been uh, on a semi vacation uh, or during this window. So I'm not too worried about that. It's more like the multiple events and the second day, you know, hitting the, the sixth event of a two day format. That I think that's when the athletes that haven't been trained are going to feel it quite a bit more. But I, uh, I mean, from a generic historical sort of uh, uh, standpoint, I would say, yes, of course, we would rather had this start, you know, in November and, and carry through there. But I think also most of the athletes have, uh, that signed up understand that they can, they can compete, they can win some money, they can be on exciting team format and then still have time to take at least a short break uh, in later December, early January, then come back and train uh, for the world championships or for Europeans for the European championships by the end of the summer. Yeah. Well, I also think in fairness um, to the, to the organizers of, of the ISL, I think, I think what they're trying to capture is a professional league. I think they want swimmers to become professional and professional minded. So it's like, look, you know, get your, get your couple of weeks off the Olympics. That's understandable, but get back to work and, and start racing just like any other professional league out there it's very limited in terms of the the amount of full holiday rest you get these days so if if swimming is going to progress into those professional ranks which you know this is the third season now it's time to kind of man up and let's let's take ownership of this become a professional athlete you know show up be ready to go yeah i think one thing different this season is nobody uh was on a team because they chose the team this time the teams chose them they either retained them in the 15, they drafted them, or at the end of everything, then they had some ability to say yes or no to mm. whether they wanted to be on the team or not. So I think you're exactly right, Brett. I think it has become a professional league. Now, you were selected by a team. Your responsibility mm. is to be good for this team. And if you weren't going to be good, you should pull your name out of the draft. And if you aren't going to train, you should, you should have been able to – sort of raise your hand and say, uh, yes, I'm going to, I'm willing to swim in the ISL, but I'm not willing to train for it after the Olympics. I'm just going to show up, uh, you know, with my flip flops and give it, give it my best shot. Yeah. Uh, so that's the next step in being professional. We won't hit it perfect at this ISL. Uh, I don't think, uh, the sort of the evolution of the athletes and the coaches, uh, has hit that point. I mean, one of the problems you had is not just the athlete's responsibility, but I mean, most club teams and almost all college teams, after Olympic trials and then after the, the small version of U.S. Nationals we had, they're taking breaks. Like, that's their holiday. I know in Europe, I mean, people, their three-week holiday is sacred to them. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, the athletes don't have a place to train. There's not, there's not groups that are training mm -hmm. uh, in different places. I know, you know, I know I had a, I've got a couple people come back to San Diego after the first round of ISL before the, uh, before the, play, uh, the, the semifinals. And so that we you know we'll provide a place to train uh, here in San Diego, but but there aren't that many options that are designed around professional swimmers. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, Nate, let's keep it moving then. Australia again. Just we'll just touch on this real shortly, but think it doesn't look like they're going to send a whole team to uh, Dubai or Abu Dhabi in the UAE this December. What was the reasoning? Did you dig into it a little? 
Yeah, I think basically Alex Ballman basically said, um, hey, man, we just had like 10 weeks. They were away from their families. Now they're two more weeks quarantine. They're going to have two more weeks quarantined again. It's just too much. Um, but he also said if anyone wanted to go uh, and compete, um, we'll certainly send you uh, if you want to go. Oh, interesting. How did they end up getting selected? Uh, th- th- all the qualifications are still the same, I think. Right. So if you've, if you've qualified, then you can go if you want to. Mm, I mean, I, right. honestly, I kind of look at it as like a great opportunity to make some more money. Uh, they're, they're putting out more money. It is the, the year after the Olympics, so there's going to be less people that are going to show up. Uh, there's going to be people that don't train. Um, and it's short course, so those world records are, are ripe for the pick. And, and every time you take one down, you get 50 grand. So, um it's going to be exciting to see who actually says like, Oh, I, I'd like to go to try to make some money. Yeah. Well, look, you should, there should be, I think, you know, Katinka kind of set this precedent five, six, seven years ago where she, she became professionally minded to say, I'm going to go to all the big meets, you know, I'm going to race all around the world. I'm going to make as much money as I can. I mean, she made millions that way. And I think uh, it was an ex- example to a lot of other swimmers to be like, look, if you just, basically go from meat to meat you can rack up a lot of money um by doing it the right way and and i think more athletes are going to take that on board and so for the fact that you know fina are providing this type of racing and income now and then along with the isl and then along with your you know your world champs and olympics and all the other things that you can do i mean you can swim 12 months of the year and and make a good living out of this if you really put the time and energy into it right david yeah, I think there's no doubt that, uh, that, that, that the opportunity, especially with the pressure that the ISLs put on FINA to, to increase their funding and increase their support, I think FINA's wise to put it on their premium event, and that's what they've done. So I think it will call out some more people that maybe weren't thinking about going in December that will now go. So that's great. But also, I, I tell you, I would congratulate Alex and Rohan for the leadership job they're doing with Australia. They're coming off the best Olympics they've ever had. And, you know, uh, I don't think they need a short course world championships to further validate that they have an amazing swimming program and that the Australians are dominant world force in swimming. I think they are, they're able to sort of put it back to the athletes and say, you know what, we're just going to let you guys decide and take care of you and support you more independently if you want to go. And I'm guessing there'll still, still some relays and things like that. Uh, but, you know, most years, the USA, at least historically, when I've gone with USA teams to uh, short course world championships, uh, it's been some kind of an abbreviated team. Obviously, the best collegians don't go normally. And so, you know, it's not like all the countries are bringing their very best team like it's, you know, a, a you know, true world championships more than the long course version of it. Mm. So I, I think I'm, I'm comfortable with, uh, in fact, I would applaud what Australia is doing with their athletes in, in this decision and, and uh, would say this is probably the one of the better things they can do. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep moving. Yeah, let's keep it moving here. All right, college summit, just a little got a, a you know, just a little roundup. It hasn't started yet this season, but it looks like the schedules are coming out. Full schedules are coming out, which is exciting to see. Um, uh, but on the bottom of your screen, there's a lot of kids taking fifth year options. Taylor Ruck's going back to Stanford. Uh, Alvin's going back to Texas. So I think it's, could we be seeing like the, one of the fastest NCAA championships ever coming up this year? 
I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, <laughs> if we can get a full season of training, if we can get a full season of racing, and then you get all these older athletes coming back. I mean, uh, David knows I came into college at the age of 21, so I felt like I was a, a little bit more advanced than some of the, the freshmen I was racing against at the age of 21. So if you can get older athletes coming back with tons of experience, I mean, it's going to be a really competitive meet uh, top to bottom. Hopefully, they can get the full season of racing and competing. I think the, 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 I think this will be the fastest season. I think you know, people are, even with the ISL factor, people are figuring out how to swim faster and faster in short course pools. They're figuring mm -hmm. out how to bounce off walls better. They figured out that the energy system uh, that you can use by leveraging the walls and underwater kicks. Uh, I mean, Brett, honestly, you were the first one to do it. And, you know, when you won the national championship, your guys were winning underwater and it was profound. And I think that's uh, that that has continued to be an evolution of college swimming. Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't transitioning that those skills to long course. So we're not seeing the giant time drops, especially from some of the Americans that we have seen historically when there's a balance drop dropping in time from short course to long course. Now it's it's a uh, way, way more so short course. Uh, but I do think from a, from a team perspective, every, especially if they can allow an audience to come back and watch the event, I think it's going to be a very exciting year for the NCAA, super fast. And what's going to happen is next year when two classes kick out for the ISL, it'll be a very U.S. dominant draft coming out of the, the, the NCAA next year. And just quickly on this, I'm not sure the answer. Are, are college athletes allowed to swim in the ISL? No. No, and no. if you swim in the ISL right now because you've signed a professional contract, you can't jump back into the NCAA. So right. that's a that's a, a bit of a challenge. I think that'll get changed. I'm assuming that with the new rules kicking in and the the all the benefits now mo moving toward the to take care of the athletes, that even something like minor league baseball should be able to jump back into college. And we'll see that. I believe when, when enough people sort of challenge that, enough athletes challenge that. Uh, I think it'll that'll change eventually to where. You'll, the, the NCAA, you'll be able to sort of be in the ISL one year and then come back into college swimming. So if a guy like uh, David Popovich swims ISL in the next couple of weeks, he, he can't go college? Uh, correct. Wow. That's Unless big, they change the rules. Well, that's a big decision for him to make right now. For sure. Uh, something else that's going to make this meet this year faster is all the defers. All the yeah. people that deferred that didn't swim. Mm -hmm. so Emma Wyant's going to be in the NCAA this year. Tori Husk is going to be in the NCAA this year. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be loaded. Uh, moving on, one of our special guests, Sarah Dunleavy, she's coming out of retirement, uh, and she is coaching as a volunteer with University of Tennessee. So congratulations to uh, Sarah. If you didn't listen to her interview, uh Go ahead and check hers out. Yep, check it out. Um, All right, move on. The University of Louisville, they nabbed Dennis Locktef, who um, he was the he was the guy that pulled the lane line on at, at the Olympics that didn't get caught. Now, uh, now, now, whoa, now, 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 now. We'll <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David's got some inside info <laughs> yeah, here. I was, yeah. I, I, I was a little, you know, I, I jumped the gun on that one. Yeah, uh, I think it's hilarious that you guys did that. It actually helped Dennis because he got pissed off. 
He's like, man, everybody thinks I cheated. And I'm like, uh, I mean, he ran into the damn lane line. There's zero chance that at that speed, you can't grab a lane line and help yourself Mm -hmm. on a turn the way he can. (laughs) He just hit the damn lane line. We don't know how, honestly, because what it was, I think, is when he went in, he he was right next to the lane line. He took a short stroke to to initiate his turn, I think. And when he did that, he didn't come in front of his head. And when he did that, he he hit the lane line. And and so it definitely didn't speed him up. It definitely slowed him down. But the aftermath worked out fine because his response was good. And yeah, he's very excited to be uh, joining Louisville. He'll be going in January. And uh, he's joining uh, a Brazilian boy that's also 146 guy. So uh, Arthur will have a nice team with his son uh, as one of the leaders. And uh, Louisville looks like they're going to be very strong this year. That 800 well, freestyle relay is going to be gross. It yeah. will be, be nasty. I need to maybe uh, send him a little apology. I, I, have, I, I had some fun <laughs> with that. It was... And, and actually, I didn't tell you this, David. I'll, I'll tell you this publicly. But uh, one of the coaches kind of private, privately messaged me, was kind of upset with me. And I went back and forth with him a little bit because, you know, I don't like being called out. So I, uh, uh, we got, got a little heated. But um, I was just having some fun. But, yeah, I'll, I'll apologize to him publicly and privately. Yeah, okay. You don't need to. He's, 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 a, he's a big boy. He'll be fine. Okay. Uh, uh, and then the, just the last thing is um, Ellie Gallier – She's retiring uh, the Kiwi from New Zealand, 200 backstroke champion for the University of Kentucky. Uh, good luck in um, your your future career outside of swimming. But, you know, don't be scared to keep swimming. You know, a little master's never hurt anybody. You know, stretch it out. But uh, congratulations to her. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Um, Zach Miller. What's up, bud? Petey and Pernell Bloom are dancing. <laughs> Petey and Pernell Bloom. So I guess they're not doing ISL then. They're doing some dancing. So there's there's two people. Yeah, well, um, I think they've left it open for Petey at least. Um, I'm not so sure about Pernell, but uh, I think Petey, if the London Roar are there in the playoffs, he'll be able to make it. Yeah, um, hope, hopefully he's not dressed like this though. <laughs> oh, he's got David's uh, nightgown on. <laughs> no, I would say I hope he is dressed like that. It would give everybody a chance. You know? <laughs> we need him to be dressed like that. Touche. Uh, and Pernell, uh, she, she's uh, her because I tried to get her on the LA Current, but she she said if she makes the uh, finals or the top four or whatever six whatever, and then she, she'll uh, she would be going until late november and i'm like i think you're gonna make it to the top six i'm th- i don't know about uh, how 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 uh, uh, uh appealing uh, dancing and leotards that uh that uh, the the austria the in the british show will be but i have a feeling the denmark show will be uh really good mm. and, and i'm sure Pernell knows how to dance and and will be very good yeah that'll be a lot of fun am, am i missing something here oh no sorry this one uh uh, who is this guy? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I th- I thought Maybe I must- just a troll. Okay. I thought I must be missing something. Yeah. They keep All mentioning right. in the comments. I wanted to go back real quick, uh, Coach. There was a clip that we played um, from the interview with Rohan Taylor the other day, and uh, you retweeted it and said it was gold. And I just wanted to play it for the audience because it's only like 58 seconds real quick. Um, and then I'd like to you kind of you know explain uh, your thoughts on it real quick. 
I coached Travis Monty in Rio to seventh in the 400 IM. When I was coaching at Nutterwadding, Brendan Smith was a young 15-year-old, I think, at the time. And I used to bring Brendan over and train with Travi two times a week in Travis's quality set. And I'd send Brendan off 10 seconds in front of Travis. And I just, Travis would ch chase Brendan. And I used to tell Brendan, this is what this is what it looks like to, to train at that level. And then Scott Talbot came in and, and took Brendan over and realized I've got something here and started working with him. And uh, and then what happened was there was a collection of male athletes in that Nutterwadding squad that that trained together with Scott. Scott brought that group together and Wayne Laws carried that group through. So my point is, is that there was an opportunity in the 400 IM. Scott Talbot started pointing Brendan in that direction. Coaches need to actually start seeing where the opportunities lie and actually going out and actually training and learning and spending time understanding what it takes. There you go. What do you think of that clip, David? Oh, got a bad connection. Well, I've had a lot of interference trying to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened to your connection Still there. It's kind of kind of dropped out a little bit. I might, um, Nate, I'm going to get David to see if he can sure. click back in. No problem. I'll, I'll give him a text. Let's move on to the next one real quick. The swim talk of the week is it's from New Zealander Lewis Clairbert. He uh, he just had gotten out of um, you know his two week quarantine at the Olympics, and uh, here it is. Get out of hotel quarantine. <laughs> Mother trucker. classic that's good yeah I, I think you racked up um like a million views on that tiktok uh, very <laughs> short very funny um so yeah he's in complete lockdown in new zealand right right after getting out of quarantine so uh too funny uh lewis clairbert congrats you're the first swim talk of the week that is funny nice work and then there's this one other thing i just wanted to um i, I if you guys haven't seen this check it out it's called deep dive Dubai. And basically it's like six Olympic swimming pools. It's like 200 meters or 60 meters deep. Uh, and they, they built this unbelievable sunken city. Uh, that's like a post-apocalyptic city or something. Um, but you dive down there and it is amazing. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. You got to see the videos of it. They said that, that you feel like you're falling when you're going down there because it looks so real. Um, Get it up, man. There it is. Yeah, that, that just doesn't do it justice. You got to go and look at this video. Deep dive Dubai. Wow. You got to check that thing out. But, um, David, did we get you back? Yeah, I've still got a little bit of, like, I can hear you at least this time, but I, I, there's still some static. I'm not sure what it's from. I went, I went, I went to data rather than uh, the, the, the Wi Fi, so I'm not sure. 
Yeah, yeah, you're a little. Waves are big today out there. Apparently, five footers, so maybe they're causing a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're a little you're messy, so we might take you out. Hang on. Yeah, David's a little messy there. Um, yep. Well, that was um, that was pretty much it. Other than I, I wanted to get his thoughts on uh, the Rohan Taylor clip. Um, the Rohan interview was excellent. He talked a lot about the four by two and a freestyle relay and the race strategy and the process behind how they go ahead and uh, choose their relays, which is super interesting. I know we had, we had been talking to a lot of people like Gian Rooney, who had said that this was the biggest topic in Australia, you know, since the Olympics was like, what happened? Um, and I, I was just thinking, man, I, I wish they would have, uh, you know, had that kind of, ferocity towards what happened in america because we just made it seemed like we made a bunch of miscues on those on choosing those relays um so uh yeah check out the rohan taylor interview um he was excellent um yeah and- it does seem like there's a little bit more accountability to the the australian coaching um and it, I don't know. I just get the feeling that once the U.S. coaches are done with the Olympics, that's it. They just move back to their programs, and I don't know. Uh, maybe we can get David's point of view on that. Let's see if I can pull him back in one more time. Okay. Uh, he's a mess. Where is David Marsh? He's in. He's in Mars. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's Sorry, coach. Sorry, coach. It's over. That was fun while it lasted. Yep. All right. Well, um, we're kind of past uh, our 30 minute mark, um, which is fine. You know, we got, got some good time with uh, coach Marsh there. (laughs) And um, yeah, we do this show every single Wednesday. Sometimes it'll be at 10 AM, 12 noon. Sometimes Sonny will be here. Sometimes he won't be, but um, yeah, come on, ask some questions and uh, we'll still do our long form conversations a couple times a week. So um, anything else, Brett? Got some special podcasts coming up at the end of this week. Um, some Olympic champions, some Olympic champion coaches. A um, lot of great podcasts ahead of us. So look forward to those. Thanks for the support, everybody, for being on this and then for supporting the show. Love, uh, love doing it. And Check out a lot our of fun. sponsors at the top of the screen. Yeah. All, all swimming sponsors, all, all can ship international all their products. So um, check each and every single one of them out. Yep. Love you guys. That's it. it. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Take care.